I received a message yesterday from a listener named Stephanie, and we had a really great conversation about this idea of sensing God calling us to do something and wrestling with whether it's actually God or it's just our own minds. And as we were talking about it, I couldn't help but to think about my friend Aisha and this episode. Um, for almost as long as this podcast has existed, I've had this random sense that Aisha should be on it. And I never felt a specific nudge to reach out to her, but that sense was there. And it wasn't because I wanted to talk about a specific thing with her. It was just this idea that she should be on the podcast. Well, God actually took the first steps on this one, and it happened uh, randomly on a very frigid night in the parking lot of a grocery store when Aisha happened to pull up right beside us. And as uh, we were texting back and forth because it was too cold to get out of the car, she mentioned out of the blue uh, that she would love to be on the podcast. And I got excited because <laughs> I had been sensing it for a long time. This was January 20th. Uh, it is now April 29th, and we just recorded the episode yesterday. So three months passed between when the conversation started about the podcast and when we actually recorded. And here's the interesting thing. In that time, I felt various nudges from God that I kind of just stepped in obedience to follow. Sometimes I felt a nudge to reach out uh, to check in about recording. Other times I felt a nudge to not reach out. Um, sometimes I felt a nudge to release uh, when things weren't working out. And sometimes I felt a nudge to encourage Aisha and what could happen in that time. And there's two things that I want to name that make me really excited about this episode. The first is this. Uh, one of the <laughs> last moments that we connected to finally get something on the calendar Aisha was sharing that she was excited to do it, that she felt like God was saying to do it, but she wasn't sure what she would talk about. And I said, that's actually okay. In fact, that's probably good because then we're going to have to count on God to show up. And I told her, you know, worst case scenario, we sit down, we start recording, we decide that it's not even worth keeping and we erase the recording, but we've at least had a good conversation with each other. But I told her, I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think that's what, what's going to happen is we're going to pray to invite the Holy Spirit in and the Holy Spirit is going to show up. And that's what happened in this episode. We started not knowing what in the world we were going to talk about. And by the end of it, we were so encouraged at what God had done. And the second thing is this. I would have loved to have recorded on January 21st. But instead, it was three months later. And... I actually recorded this intro multiple times and just wasn't feeling it. And I went to bed last night and right before I got in bed, it suddenly hit me something that Aisha said early on. I asked her basically to give me the elevator pitch of who she is. And she says that she's a daughter of the king. And then as we continue to talk about it, she said something really striking. She said, if you had asked me that question three months ago, I would have said something very different. You see, whereas I would have loved to have recorded on January 21st, God gave me a piece that it wasn't the time, but that it was important that we would eventually record. And in those three months, God did something powerful around her identity. And y'all, like her story, I love her story so much. 
And so if you are in a place right now where you are wrestling with your identity, if you are wrestling with believing that you are a child of God, this episode is for you. Listen to Aisha's words. Be encouraged by God's words through her. I know I was encouraged. I know I'm excited. So without further ado, you are listening to episode 17 of the Where Did You See God podcast. All right. I'm really excited because I'm sitting with my friend Aisha. Hey! <laughs> and Aisha, how long? We, we've known each other six, five, six years? Yes, I don't know. about six years. It's been a long time. Something like that. And and the reason I'm excited, one, because I love Aisha. She's great. Oh, I love you, Paul. <laughs> and two, because uh, we've been trying to sit down for this for a long time and met all kinds oh. of obstacles, which anybody who's listened knows that usually means God's going to do something and the enemy doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. So even today, we're, we're starting this an hour and 20 minutes later than we <laughs> planned. And I'm not worried because God's going to show up. Um, but we're going to make sure of that by praying right now. Amen. So I'm going to jump in. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. We do thank you that you are present. Um, you are speaking, and so we're just grateful that right now we don't have any plans other than spending this time um, in your presence and letting your words come out. And so we just pray for the Holy Spirit to just speak, uh, to do what it needs to do. If there's anything that's our own words, that you would stop those, and if there's anything you want to say, that you would give us the courage to say it. Uh, and Father God, we're just grateful that even though we don't know where this is going, we do know that it's going towards you. And so we give it to you, and thank you for this time. For his holy name and for your spirit. Amen. Amen. So what's the like the elevator pitch who you are? If somebody met you and you had a minute to say who you are, who are you? Oh. <laughs> wow. Ah, uh, that's a never really thought about it. The first thing that comes to my mind is daughter. Mm. Um, and that's something I just recently started like living into is who I am um, and before I'm anything before I'm the mother before I'm the friend um, the caretaker the nurse any of those things I'm a daughter of the king and I struggle a lot with trying to live out of that space because I spend so much time in, in, in wearing the other hats that I for, that I forget to often first that that's my first and most true mm. hat um, <clears throat> that I wear so I would say that I'm a daughter um, that's trying to chase after God's heart, um, whatever crazy way that looks like <laughs> on whatever day we're on. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and what I appreciate one thing I just I really appreciate about that is um, I was uh, ha having lunch with somebody this week who was sharing a bit of their story, and they had landed at a similar place where their story was about. Um, uh, she was sharing how she was uh, ready to just invest her whole life in the missions. She mm -hmm. and her husband sold everything that they had and um, jumped all in. And then they had their plans, but then God said to her, hey, I want you to be a mom. And that wasn't what she was planning on, but <laughs> she stepped into obedience. She 
uh, sought God and sought counsel. They had a beautiful daughter. Um, things got hard um, when suddenly she realized how things are very different when you have a kid that you're caring for versus when you don't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, totally but, but through that, she realized the ways in which she was living into other identities other mm-hmm. than her identity as God's. And mm-hmm. she realized, and she even said, you know, more than a mom, that's who she is, as she is whoever God says she is. And so I was encouraged by that because that's something I've been thinking about too is the ways in my life that I've let my identity be defined by. Mm-hmm. If you had asked God. me that, I was going to say, I was thinking like, if you had asked me that a year ago, but if you had asked me that a few months ago, mm. I would have probably, the first thing I probably would have come to my mind is convicted felon. Mm. Um, because that is how I have, my mind has wired me over the last years that I have to live from, from that space. And my first thoughts have to come from that. And how do I combat that or paint a different picture of that? Because that is who... The world says I am. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I think I really started to see the turn of how I viewed myself when I went into my nursing exam and I just spent that time with the Lord the weekend prior. Um, and it just was more about him trying to reshape who I who I saw myself and how he saw me. Because mm-hmm. um, there's identity, you know, I, I know that's something that we all struggle with and, and I've just seen it just so much more, the struggle so much more, um, in my life, um, recently up until that point. Um, I, cause I never really, because I had been wired to, to think a certain way, or I was just thinking a certain, certain way. I didn't notice that that's what that was, that I was confused about who I was and whose I was. I have taken the test. Like I got, and I've shared, I don't know if you heard the testimony, but I've shared this story about how I've taken the test quite a few times. And I mm-hmm. think like the biggest thing the Lord was trying to show me is that this does not define you. This, these letters, this piece of paper, who people say you are, does not define you. You are mine and I am yours. And let's just first understand that. And then we can live from that space. And I, that was a, a revelation I, that he had given me after many, many tears and text messages to other people <laughs> and prayers and being in the pit. That's the one thing that has come out of this time um, is that I'm a daughter of the king. And then now it's about, for me, what does that look like in my life? Um, as I wear these other hats, as I, um, continue to chase after God, what does that look like for me mm-hmm. to be a daughter, um, and to be these, uh, the, and, and to be these other things as well? Um, and how do I do that? Because I, one of the things I'm also now noticing that I do is I'm neglecting the daughter, father, daughter relationship that God and I have. Um, and I, I don't want to lose that in in the day-to-day of life which can be so easy as you as you are as I am the mom and I am the friend and I am you know the nurse and all these other things how do I not lose that I'm a daughter mm-hmm. too you know and that, that's that's the the thing that I'm trying to figure out yeah well and some of that I imagine makes it hard is it's you know it's more than just like a mental exercise that somebody just has to kind of shift their thinking because like especially around the convicted felon pieces, that is something over the years that has not just been an internal thing, but like you have, you have had to deal with that externally as well on, on both positive and negative mm-hmm. ends. Like I think of both when it comes to applying for jobs and, yeah. and how it affects you there. And then on the positive end, I know you recently 
were invited to share about your experience. Um, I don't know if it was for Ashley Mathias's book release or just something that oh, yes. there's something mm-hmm. or some bill they were trying to get passed. That both things. And mm-hmm. so like there's there's the positive element yeah. where that part of your story is is on display. Yeah. You know? And then there's the negative part. You know, you mentioned that a few months ago that still would have been front and center mm-hmm. of your identity. How have you worked through that when it's something that affects your life so severely at times? It it really has to be a matter of surrender when the lies come. And that is not, and it's like, when I say surrender, it's not a, I surrender this Lord and then I'm able to go on. It's a, it's a, a daily thing, but it's also, um, it can be extremely situational when the, when you have something that's sitting right in front of you. Um, and you mentioned it about the job situation. I have been recently interviewed over the last couple of months for seven jobs. I was offered all the jobs and then all the offers were rescinded except for the one that I am going to start. And I, and I have the, the, the habit to say prayerfully start in June <laughs> because I'm, there's a part of me that thinks that's what's going to happen with the, what happened with the other six offers is going to happen with this one. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to, in faith, believe God. You know, it's been where, okay, Lord, they've met me. You know, they've had conversation with me. I've come to orientation. They see all these things and they can see that clearly I'm not what paper would say that I am, but yet they still choose something different. Um, and so what does that say? And you sometimes it's hard to just put up that, okay, I am the daughter up along with, okay, Lord, you say that I'm this daughter. My family here, my my East End family, my family, everyone says I'm this, but there's just so much more of the world that's present in my life. It says I'm this, and how do I, how do how do I raise keep this one raised mm-hmm. above the other, um, and not to say that I am this. I'm not the convicted felon. I have been convicted of felonies, but I am not mm-hmm. a convicted felon. And how do I reconcile those two? And I don't never. I don't know if it's going to be a once and for all. I don't know if it's going to be. I'm going to be reconciled unto being the daughter first and and only, or is it going to be, you know, the daily and situational. Um, instances where I'm going to come in and continually cast down those lies and those things that come up against what God says I am. And I, and I think because I also like part, one of my desires is to be able to go back into, um, prisons and, and share my story and do small groups for people. Um, and just to be a part of, of the transformations in the lives of other people, you know, being able to reconcile it to that because I know there's going to be, when I try to go into these systems of injustices, I know that there's going to be some pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how am I going to continue to be resilient and fight on past that? Because it's, it's, it's a lot and it becomes overwhelming and I feel weak. And I know, you know, scripture says his power is perfect in my weakness, mm-hmm. but what does that look like? You know, I know what the scriptures say, but what does that look like? I mean, how do I walk in that and live that out? So that I don't feel defeated mm-hmm. um, or or when I feel defeated because I may feel defeated. How do I rise up uh, against that and keep and keep going? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, somebody said made me jump in and find a verse and you were talking about how it's not like a once and for all thing. But every day, like you mm-hmm. have to like <clears throat> kind of just die to those false identities in it. Uh, Luke nine twenty three. 24 should i go further than that uh no i think that's good i mean it's all good all right but we'll do 23 and 24 
And then so Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple hmm. must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so, I mean, we're, we're a week past Easter. And so we know that when Jesus says that, <laughs> we know something that his disciples didn't fully know. One, because they weren't really listening mm-hmm. to him. But two, they hadn't seen and experienced it yet. But when he says to take up his cross, he is referencing one of the most dramatic moments of, of sacrifice and dying to self, where yeah. this sinless man took on the sin of the world and literally died on a cross, a cruel and horrible death that was preceded by floggings and insults and betrayals. I mean, everything that could have possibly been done to hurt him was done in that moment. And he's giving this invitation of saying <laughs> that if, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and you mm-hmm. have to take up your cross daily and follow me. And I think there's something beautiful about this idea of we, we acknowledging that the way we want it to work is we come to this grand revelation of something and then we accept it and then boom, now we're good. Yeah. But that's never worked out for anybody ever in life. There's no story in scripture where that's the case. What it is, is somebody, everybody in scripture that, you know, was someone that was seeking God did so daily, did so taking these sacrifices. But I think there's this really cool thing that when we deny ourselves and when we die to ourselves, the more we do that, the less we live in this world and the more we begin to see Mm. how God actually works. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that the way the world works is if you're a convicted felon, this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And so then that puts you in a position where even when you're at a place where you're like, I'm willing to drop that part of my identity and take on the identity of daughter of the king, like, there's still part of you that's like, but everybody else isn't doing that yet. Right. But when you die to yourself, the more you do that, and the more you are fully, 100% utterly dependent on God, that's when we begin to realize, wait a minute, God's not limited by how the world works. Mm-hmm. Now, as I was talking, you had this moment where there's something. Yeah, when you said, um, you get you, the more you try, you the more you'll see the instances where... Mm-hmm. Um, God doesn't work in the ways of the world. And I think about how, like, I, I've been thinking lately about how, like, over the, what has what has happened over my life and how have I seen the transition over the last five, year, five or six years. And I just think about, um, like, God's hand, how when I take a step back, and that's one of the things that helps me to, to raise the daughter over everything else is when I take a look back, um, over the last five years and see the things that God has done just in my life um, and in my heart and, and just the way that I that I think and I see myself. But also just in if I was taking the daughter hat and how I was seeing myself as a convicted felon, there's things that the Lord has done that if I if if my life was operated by the ways of the world that should not be happening, um, there's jobs that I should not have had. There's relationships that I should not have. There's, I shouldn't be here if things were run totally in the ways of the world. I think about how um, just um, two, three years ago, three summers ago, I should have died. I was on my way to work um, at a night job 
that I had at the time. And I was going around, it's in Montpelier, so it's kind of country, mm -hmm. wine and roads. That's where I grew up. Yeah, and so I'm yeah. on my way to work <laughs> out. Dark wine and roads with deer. <laughs> and that's why it was dark. It was a, um, I was supposed to be to work at 11. I was running a little late, no, midnight. And it was like a little after 11. I have just got off my day job at the time. And um, I'm took a different way because I was going to be late if I had went the way that I know to go. So I took a different way and I'm going down this, I don't even know the name of the road, this winding road and there's no street lights, of course. And <laughs> my lights are foggy and needed to be cleaned at the time. And so I couldn't really see a whole lot, but I'm going down the road. I'm, I'm going a little, really, really slow because I can't really see in the dark. And so I'm trying to turn my wheel and I'm, and I'm turning it. But my car is going in a different direction. So I'm turning to go one way. I'm turning to go left, but mm. my car goes right. And I go into a field. Mm. I don't know if it's corn stalk or whatever it is, but field that's as taller than my car. And I go through six trees. Oh, like literally my car goes through six trees and it gets totaled. And all I can think about it as I'm gripping the wheel, they tell you don't do that. You're supposed <laughs> to be relaxed. But when uh. you're, when you're, I mean, how do you be relaxed in that type of situation? So my palms are probably white. My airbag comes out, and all I can think is that, you know, I'm gonna die. Mm -hmm. What are gonna What's gonna happen with my kids? And all I'm just at, talking to God, and I'm saying, Lord, you have to make sure that they're okay, you know, because I, I'm confident that I know I'm gonna see Jesus, you know, if if, mm -hmm. if I, when I die. So I'm like, Lord, you just have to make sure my kids are okay. And so the car finally stops. The airbag, the uh, second airbag deploys um, on the passenger side, and then. I realized that I'm not dead and I can call 911. So I try to call 911. I call 911. My phone only gets emergency out there. So it, it, thank the Lord that you can still call 911. So I call 911 and I'm having a panic attack and the lady's trying to keep me calm and I don't know where I am because it's a way I've never went before. They're trying to get a signal from my phone to see where I am and they're, I'm so far away from the road, but she's the ambulance, the ambulance is coming. The police cars coming but they keep passing me by because they can't see me oh, wow. and so i can hear them but they can't see me and and i tell her you know i'm trying to she says turn your lights on and then they're on but they're dim so you can't see them mm -hmm. and i'm telling her i'm gonna die you know and just freaking out and like several probably three ambulances can't go roll by three police cars and finally they get to me but i i just think about how you know i went through six trees I was not supposed to live through that, but the Lord, but the Lord, um, that's, you know, that's all yeah. I can say is, but the Lord. Um, so I think about that. Um, and then I think about how I w interviewed for a job and when I interviewed for the job, I thought, you know, that I, that this job was mine. And during the time of the interview process took a couple of months as I, they, we were going back and forth with callbacks and they had more questions and we talked a little more. They wanted to know more after they, they checked my background. They wanted to know more about my story. And, you know, I really thought that that was going to be the job opportunity that the Lord had for me. Um, and as I started to get shaky about it, as time went on, cause two months is a long time to wait to hear <laughs> back if you're going to get a job or not. Uh -huh. Um, I, I kept trying to apply for other jobs and every time I went to apply, do another application, the Lord convicted me and told me no. Mm. Um, and I probably tried to apply for maybe six different jobs during that time. And the Lord told me no every time. And at the end, when I found out that I didn't get that job, I talked to the the Lord about it. And I asked him, you know, God, wow, why wouldn't you let me apply for any other job if I was not going to get this job? <laughs> like, uh -huh. how does that make sense? And all he said, because, you know, God is not often lengthy with words, but mm -hmm. all he said was, do you trust me? <laughs> you know, uh -huh. yes, no, maybe, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, 
But then maybe a week after I found out that I didn't get that job, I got a call back from a job I had applied for maybe three months mm. ago. So even before I had applied for the job I was interviewing for, I had applied for that job and they called me for an interview. And so I went to the interview. They called me back. They said that they were going to call me back right before Thanksgiving. So this is 2016. And literally, it was right before Thanksgiving because I had forgot I even had that interview. Mm-hmm. That's because another month goes by. And she calls me and she offers me the job. And then I started December of 2016. And within less than a year, the Lord promoted me twice um, to the role that I am in now. And, you know, I just see in all the, the relationships that I have built during that time, the 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 schedule like this the lord is in even in the details of the things that we don't even think about mm. um i'm a single parent of two teenage sons and the job that i currently have allows me to be available to be able to go to their practices to their games and just to be an active part in their life um being the only pr- parent present and so like god thinks about these things mm-hmm. the the things that you you might think are small to him you know he he's a god of all the details and i just think about how had i been had taken the other opportunity or been given the other opportunity the the doors that the lord opened and the relationships that he's built over the last two and a half years that i've been in my current job would not would not have happened Hmm. um and sometimes we just we can't we don't see it in the time we don't see it in the moment um the way that the lord has his hand he says you know when that scripture that says we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We don't really believe the word all. <laughs> we believe some, few, mm-hmm. many, most. We don't believe that it's all things. The What we consider failures, the successes, um, they all work for the good. Because I and I was completely devastated when I didn't get that job. Completely mm-hmm. devastated. Um, but the Lord has something different. And his thoughts... I mean, these scriptures are true. You know, we say them often and, you know, we can say they're cliche. Oh, that's just the right scripture to say at the time. Mm. But they really are true. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. I would have never thought that this was the plan or that this was even a good plan Mm. that the Lord had versus the plan that I had. And the opportunities that I felt like the other um, job was going to open up for me and the the track that I felt like I was going on with that opportunity. Lord did something totally different, but so much better Mm. than what I could have dreamed of yeah. um and so yeah yeah well i think you know i think you know we say like you said we say these verses we've said them you know however long we've been christian we've been saying some of these key mm-hmm. verses and i think we really want to believe them mm-hmm. um but the problem is, is is what you you named is one it's hard for us to step into obedience mm-hmm. but two it's hard for us to to trust because we are still convinced that the world works based on the way that the world says it works. And right. you know, Don Don Coleman, our pastor, preached this Sunday about um, this idea that also came up shortly after in a um, devotional I was doing. But but it's basically was hitting at this idea that we we limit God based to our rationalization. We limit God based mm-hmm. on our, our intellect or the way mm-hmm. we think. And and so we'll take these verses, God works for the you know good and we'll We'll believe it up to the point at which it pushes up against our understanding of how the world mm-hmm. works. So, mm-hmm. you know, you were in this situation where you're applying for jobs. You need a job because you've got two na- teenage boys and teenage boys eat a lot. So a lot. bills alone. A lot. So, like, logically, you have to get a job. You mm-hmm. have to get a job as soon as possible. Like, mm-hmm. you, And then God says, hey, 
don't apply to this. Don't apply to this other one. Don't apply to this other one. And you're sitting there waiting. <laughs> and what the world would say is like, Aisha, I'm, I mean, it's nice that you're trying to follow God, but mm-hmm. you need to be responsible right now. You've got two Couple kids. Couple people say that to me. Right? <laughs> yeah. And probably well-meaning mm-hmm. Christian people. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and, and But yet you know. Like, you have this conviction, you're like, I just, I can't explain it, I don't know, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of feel crazy myself and don't always fully believe it, but it's, it's, I just, I know I, and like, I had the same thing happen, uh, and I shared in, in the last episode of the podcast of God saying, hey, I don't want you to go crazy with job searching, like, I'm here, I want you to hit this base level, mm-hmm. but I don't want you job, like, applying to 20 things, going to 20 interviews, mm-hmm. and I hit a point where I was wrestling with man, what are people going to think? What about this, that, and the other guys? So who yes. are you in this for? Are you in this for them? Or are you in this for, for me? me? And just like you were able to recognize that God provided this way for you to spend more time with your boys, mm-hmm. like I can look back, as you were saying it, I was literally thinking about how much time I've gotten to spend with my infant son, mm-hmm. that one of my biggest concerns, especially in like December, we, we knew he'd probably be born in January. He waited till February because mm-hmm. he thought he was funny. <laughs> but I'm like, if I get a job now, I'm going to start working when he's born. And sure, they'll let me off for, you know, his birth. But mm-hmm. am I going to be able to get, like, any kind of paternity leave this early? Am I going to be able to get more than just a couple weeks? Like, what what is this going to look Am I going to get to spend time with my <laughs> son and my family? And God was like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all the things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to take care of you. Do you trust me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think we also tend to like, you know, we trust God to do what we think it should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, Lord, I trust you, but, you know, it needs to look like this so I can know, you know, what's going on. You know, I think about how when I was unemployed for those couple of months, I didn't, I wasn't hungry. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose my home. All of my, the Lord provided by, you know, community members and just the ways that I had managed my money. Um, the Lord had just had his hand in that. He doesn't, he really is a God of the details and those things don't get lost. We just look for him in a way that only our minds can think. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we are challenged when we are believers to not box God mm-hmm. and we expect God to operate within the capacity of our mind, the way we think and our rationalization and God doesn't operate like that. He's like, no, yeah. look at this. Can I, can I do this? Yeah. Let me show you what, what, it, what I was thinking. Yeah. You know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So. Makes me think of an analogy that I've uh, used in a lot of conversations. Usually it was around, you know, discerning calling and things like that, but it's, you know, if we were to think of, somebody were to ask us what is important in life, we would have a, a list of things. And, you know, if we're a good Christian, we'll make sure God's on the table. So it's like mm-hmm. you have this table mm-hmm. and so you put God on there and mm-hmm. you put your job and you need a you know, home, mm-hmm. maybe relationships, mm-hmm. you know, financial security, all these things that are important that maybe, you know, if you're smart, maybe you limit it down to just a few so you're not throwing mm-hmm. needless things on there. But we have this list of things and God's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And and then we wonder why we keep running into these issues and running into these struggles because we feel like we've got it right. But the truth is, is that God can't be one of those he things along the others. Like, it's almost as though God is the table, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then you put the other things on top, top of mm-hmm. the table. And that's just a very different way of operating because so what that's good. saying is... God is 
it. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I was talking, uh, I, so I don't know if, I, sometimes I joke about writing a book. I don't know if I'm ever going to write a book, but. Paul most- should write a book, guys. If you, <laughs> when you're listening, when you hear this, you should send him inboxes and post to his Facebook page and Instagram just to hold him accountable to that. Well, I can tell you the current book is going to be called God Doesn't Care About Your Job. Uh, and It's going to be a good book. And here's, and here's why, because one of the reasons I want to call it that is because that's going to be one of those controversial titles where I'm going to get good Christians pushing back on it mm-hmm. and be like, but God does care about your job. So you and I understand that intrinsically because we've mm-hmm. been unemployed, because we've tried to search for jobs, because we've had people during those seasons be like, right. so what do you do? And figure out how to answer that. Right. Like we've had to learn the hard way mm-hmm. how to not identify or overvalue employment mm-hmm. because you didn't have it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, you know, that's our culture. That is a... That is a big deal. Unemployment is is bad. Someone who's unemployed, like there's something wrong with them. But if you're employed and the higher your mm-hmm. position, you know, that's good. A lot of American Christian cultures really value work, uh, yeah. really value. I was at a retreat with um, a number of Christian leaders and um, they were sharing why the retreat is important. And the conversation shifted to this realization that there is an overvaluing of work. Yeah. Uh, and, and one person said something that I thought was really great. Um, he said, you know, I, I know that I value work. Uh, and I know if you told me that I was lazy, if you called me lazy, I would feel rough. I would feel bad about mm, myself. I would feel yeah. like I was a sinner. But if you called me someone like an overworker, a workaholic, I would wear proud that, of that. I wear that as a badge <laughs> yeah. of honor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but both of them are <coughs> wrong ways of operating. Mm-hmm. And so... We have this culture that values the identity of what you do, that values work itself. And work Mm -hmm. isn't bad, but what God calls us to is to seek him first, Mm -hmm. to honor him. Is work a part of that? Yeah. Is is hard work a part of that? Yeah. Yeah. Look at any person in scripture. But but I think the important thing is, is that because our culture overvalues what you do and that that's part of your identity, then we don't, like you mentioned earlier rightly identify yourself as, mm-hmm. as gods and the scripture that came to my mind that kind of justifies using a controversial title like god doesn't care about your work is when jesus says you know if you want to and i'm giving the, the paul version of it but if you want to be my father if you want to follow me if you really want to love me then you need to hate your father you need to mm-hmm. hate your mother you need to yep. hate your very life now was jesus suggesting that we actually hate our parents no, no. like there's Actually, there's a ten, one of the Ten says, Commandments. Honor your says, father and mother. But what he is saying is that our commitment to our love of our devotion to Him needs to be so total that everything else looks like hatred in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when it comes to understanding our relationship with our jobs, I feel like what God's been teaching me is that employment is important, having a job is important, what we do is important. God does care, like how. We serve in that way, but our primary identity is child of God, is Mm -hmm. ambassador of Christ. We are already employed Mm -hmm. in that way. I work for God. You work for God. And it's my full time. And if we actually live into that job, everything else will follow. And like Mm -hmm. you said, for both of our stories, our bills got paid, our stomachs got filled, our kids were taken care of, (sighs) and God provided. Uh, But he has got to be it. 
And that is so true. And I'm and as my as I enter into this new season um of employment, that has been my prayer, Lord, that everything would first come from you and, and go through you mm-hmm. as it comes from me and through me, that it's all coming through you first. Mm-hmm. Um as you pour it out of me. Yeah. Because I don't want to just get wrapped up into back into the way I saw myself before and what 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 how and in what in the ways that I identified myself because mm-hmm. it, it it is so it is very easy if you if you're if you're not really daily taking up your cross mm-hmm. daily 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 then it is easy to lose sight of that yeah. um because it, and there's a lot there's many of us who do many many good things mm-hmm. um but they're not the thing one thing I really appreciate about you is, like you said, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, you were not a convicted felon, but you were someone who was convicted of a felony. And you're learning that your identity is a daughter of the king and not that other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's still a part of your story, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not. But the, the thing that I love that you mentioned is that you are, God has grown in you a desire to give that part of your story back to him. And you Mm -hmm. want to, like you said, you want to go, you know, into jails and you want to share your story and encourage. And I think there's something powerful about when we accept um, and celebrate the stories that God's given us and give them back to God and let him show what he can do in that. And that has been one of the things that like the Lord is letting me see because, you know, I have put in my mind that I am the things that I did and I am the story. The Lord has had to separate that. No, these are things that happened to you, but it is not all of you. It's a piece of your journey along the way. Um, and then so that like now the Lord is challenging me to see what he can do with it. The, the, the beauty that he could bring from the ashes. Um, so that's, that's the new season that I'm walking into and, and being willing to, let the Lord have it because it's been hard for me to not identify myself as that way. I've not wanted to not necessarily not share the story, but not wanting that to be what people mm-hmm. always want to yeah. talk to me about or the first conversation piece. So, you know, when people say, tell me your story, that that not be the first thing <laughs> yeah. that I say, cause that's all I see myself yeah. as. Um, that's been the challenge for me over the years. And now I'm able to, the Lord is helping me to really weave it mm-hmm. into the beautiful picture that he is painting for me and not me doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I appreciated the way when I asked the question of like, yeah, tell me the elevator pitch like that. It was really encouraging for me that the very first thing you said was I'm a, a, a daughter of God because it's funny when I asked that question, there's always this moment of regretting that I asked that question because of where, what our, normal responses mm-hmm. are. But I, I love that what you demonstrated there is that we have the opportunity to make God the first part of who we are. We have an opportunity yeah. to celebrate who God has created us to be. And the other thing that I, I just as we've been talking um, that keeps coming to my mind is, you know, the again, the way the world would talk is that somebody who has been convicted of a felony or someone that they see as a that they have labeled a convicted mm-hmm. felon, you know, generally is not good or, oh, good, they've, like, turned from that. But, like, they still have this level of, like, undervaluing what mm-hmm. God can do in that. But if you look at Scripture, 
there is essentially a whole load of <laughs> convicted felons. I mean, you've got... Paul is my homeboy. He was a murderer. <laughs> yep. Paul was a murderer. Um, and I think, like, that's that's another way, too, that I used to raise the, the daughter mm-hmm. um, above the lies is just going back to scripture um, sometimes and just, like, rereading those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, into, and I, when I look, like, some of the major players in scriptures, you know, they had some felons. Mm-hmm. They, they, those, they're, a lot of their charges... Would have been yeah. felonies if they had been convicted mm-hmm. um, by the ways that the world tends to operate in that. But um, it's it's just encouraged, like the scriptures encourage me because God delights in using broken. Mm-hmm. And that, because that is like so hopeful for me mm-hmm. that the Lord is going to continue to use the broken pieces. Yeah. And if we, if we broaden the definition of, of you know, how in America convicted felon would be defined if we broaden that to someone who uh, has been arrested and receives a significant like a significant punishment or you know sentence or something like that um, then we can include Jesus in that because he was arrested yeah and convicted of a thing that was punishable by death and this is Jesus that we're talking right about. right but also Jesus knew. He knew this, and he knew the shame that this would cast on him in, in the world's eyes, mm-hmm. um, the way it would diminish his his witness in the world's eyes, mm-hmm. uh, the way that it limits his power in the world's eyes, but he also knew that he didn't operate based on the world's eyes. Like He knew that it was yeah. actually a, a way to becoming, to impacting the world in a way that it could never have seen coming. That is so good. Listen, guys, Paul be preaching. <laughs> Paul be preaching. <laughs> so good. So good. It's so good. I just, like, I think about over the, like, the last year and a half or two years mm-hmm. that, like, you've just randomly texted me because the Lord has given you a word. And it has just been always right on time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's one of the ways that I've seen God mm-hmm. um, over the last year and a half. It's just in that, um, like... It's reminders that the Lord has not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord is with you in this, even in the, when the, this doesn't feel good, um, or or you're wondering why you're here in this. The Lord is still with you, yeah. and and it's purposeful. It, there, I don't believe that there's anything that's without purpose. We just may not understand or not like mm-hmm. the purpose, but it's purposeful. Yeah. Um, and just being willing to let uh, be a part of the purpose, um, and, and see where God takes you. And I'll just say, you know, it's been encouraging for me to be able to, for us to have that connection yeah. that we had, but especially because of the things that it's taught me and, and two of the big things that it's taught me is how God wants to work through the spirit mm-hmm. and how God wants to work through the body. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one of the big pushes for, for our connection, largely over text yeah. <laughs> to, to come about was... It actually happened in the same time that the the Unity in the Pit episode happened, and I have a mm. clip of me sharing. Um, but after I shared that night, yeah, we connected afterwards because you were feeling uh, you knew about that pit, yeah, and and so the there is this moment of of oneness and connection, mm-hmm. and it was just very clear that you know we needed to like keep mm-hmm. that going, um, and how God used that connection of the body. I mean, you just shared how it encouraged you, but it also encouraged me. 
And one of the big ways it encouraged me is because how God works through the spirit, because there was not a single moment that it was, that it was me or my goodness that yeah. brought about that timely text. It was the spirit prompted something like, Hey, you need to text Aisha this verse you just read, or you just need to say that God loves her, or something. Never anything that I crafted, never planned. But my challenge then was to step in obedience mm-hmm. and, and the spirit, spirit work and i go back like i still have all the text messages and i go back sometimes and i read them and it's also a reminder of where i was and where god has brought me from when i look at the date because it's also dated and i look at this and i read the scripture or the word and and i remember where i was and what i was doing um Mm. at that time the lord Mm. you know yeah it's just good it's just good good. god is good and I'm so grateful that he is patient and gracious with us. Yes. Because we, like you said, like, we are just the types that we actually have to go back and look because we forget. <laughs> and we, but Very God easily. walks with us. He walks with us when we get things wrong. He walks with us when we forget something about him that he has proven over and over and over. But I am grateful for the things that he is teaching you and that he is teaching me. And, you know, again, like the world would say, would put a label and, and attach badness to this idea of convicted felon the world would say here's what employment should look like the world would say this is i mean even we didn't even talk about like single mother and everything that's attached to that but what you what god in his goodness is showing you is who he is yeah who he's created you to be that you are his daughter that there is a power and and that he is has at work within you that he can Mm. do things that don't make sense to the world that he can do things that would the world would say would be impossible and that he is showing you that at the end of the day, your main mission isn't to make sure you're employed, make sure you're getting the paycheck, make sure you're getting the food. Like those are just things on the table, but the table itself right. is that your job, your purpose is to just to be God's daughter. And no matter what happens today or tomorrow, that is something that he has equipped you to be able to do. Yes. By dying to self, yeah. by stepping in obedience. Um, and no matter what it looks like, like that's the beautiful thing about Scripture because you mentioned the Apostle Paul. He actually was on the fast track to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was like, this is the next big thing. And he dropped all that in a, a stupid step of obedience in the world's eyes because Jesus said, hey, you're persecuting me. Stop. Now you're going right. to speak for me. And, you know, what followed was decades of people who once praised him, insulting him, of people that he was trying to serve, not trusting him, mm-hmm. of, of people when he <sighs> was doing nothing wrong at all, actually like picking up stones, stoning him, leaving for dead. And you get, he gives this long list of all the things he's gone through, floggings and shipwrecks and all this. And then he's sitting there writing from a prison cell. <laughs> convicted saying i've learned the secret to being content in all situations and then he says rejoice in the lord always again i will say it again and again and again rejoice this is a man who the who is at the worst possible place that the world would say convicted scars on his back probably about to be killed that would be what the world would say is the worst possible place to be and then they would say wait weren't you the guy and then they would point to what they think is the best possible place and he's Mm -hmm. like no 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 all that stuff you're talking about that's good that's rubbish. Like everything that I once counted as value is rubbish Nothing. compared to just 
what is it, the insurmountable glory of just following mm-hmm. Christ. Um, and that's what we're stepping into. When we die to selves, we suddenly realize that we are alive in Christ, which gives us access to this abundantly full life that we could have never known on our own, could never have found on our own. But once we get a taste of it, we're like, why would I want anything, anything else? else. Whew. What? And we came in here not even knowing what this episode would be. <laughs> we came in here saying, hey, if if there's nothing worth keeping and it's just a conversation, that's fine. I'll just erase it. But the Holy God Spirit showed up. <laughs> as he always he does. Would. As he always does. The enemy tried to stop it. But, but we are about to stop it because we're about to go to church. Yes. And celebrate this God who is so, so good. So good. But any any last things on your mind? Um, I was just, just sitting here thinking of just like the goodness of the Lord. Uh, one of the scriptures that um, has been um, a really good friend of mine, Kristen Wynn, gave to me maybe five years ago after I shared just a piece of my story with her mm-hmm. um, at my first, at that time it was called community group that we had went to. <laughs> and that night she texted me, um, I want to say a Psalms 27, four, but that might not be right. But the scripture is right. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And at the time that she gave that to me, I was in a really broken and hard place um, and was having trouble really just seeing God um, in his hand um, in my life. And just as I have held fast to that over the years, I'm really able to live into seeing the goodness of the Lord, not just in my life, but just because I'm willing to surrender and take up my cross, just seeing it here in this broken place um, in the world, able to really see the goodness of God in just so many ways that I could have never truly imagined. And I'm just really, really grateful. Lord, today we are happy to be alive. You know what I'm saying, God? I want to thank you for all the tribulations I've been through. If it wasn't for me going through these tribulations, my Lord Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here today. In Jesus' name, you know, amen. I want to give a shout out to Lonnie for that voice memo. Uh, Lonnie is on the Anchor platform, and uh, a couple months ago, he actually left that voice message. And so I was really encouraged uh, to receive it, and also just encouraged by the reality that, you know, we see hardships as things to be avoided. But what Lonnie recognizes is that he wouldn't be who he is today without what he went through and how that built him and helped him to understand who God's created him to be. So thank you, Lonnie, for your words um, and just for sharing with us. Galatians 3, starting in verse 26, says this, All of you are God's children because of your faith in Christ Jesus. And when you were baptized, it was as though you had put on Christ in the same way you put on new clothes. Faith in Christ Jesus is what makes each of you equal with each other, whether you are a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free person, a man or a woman. So if you belong to Christ, 
You are now part of Abraham's family, and you will be given what God has promised. I'm encouraged by Aisha's commitment to remind herself daily of her true identity, that she is a child of God, and to remind herself daily that just because the world or she tries to put other identities on her, she does not have to buy into that. And that she reminds herself daily that affirming that identity as a child of God also affirms that the world does not work the way that we think it works. It works the way that God makes it work. There is a spiritual reality. There are spiritual truths. There is a power at work within us that we suddenly remember that we have access to when we remember that we are a child of God. I was held up from recording this outro, and in the midst of that space, I felt this nudge uh, that I needed to go and read today's selection from My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And I had tried to read it this morning, but ended up having to feed um, my little baby son. And I had this nudge that I should go and read it as it would be relevant for this outro. And as I mentioned, uh, in the conversation with Stephanie, um, you know, we wondered, how do we know that something is a nudge from God or just something in our own minds? And one of the things I mentioned to her is, a test for me is, is the thing that I'm thinking God might be telling me to do, is it something that would honor God? And if the answer is yes, then it doesn't actually matter whether God is directly telling me to do it or not, because doing something that honors God is always okay to do. And so I thought, what's the harm in holding up from recording and going? And I just laughed when I started reading it, because the title of it is The Graciousness of Uncertainty. Naturally, we are inclined to be so mathematical and calculating that we look upon uncertainty as a bad thing. We imagine that we have to reach some end, but that is not the nature of spiritual life. The nature of spiritual life is that we are certain in our uncertainty. Consequently, we do not make our nests anywhere. Common sense says, well, supposing I were in that condition, we cannot suppose ourselves in any condition we have never been in. Certainty is the mark of a common sense life. Gracious uncertainty is the mark of a spiritual life. To be certain of God means that we are uncertain in all our ways. We do not know what a day may bring forth. That is generally said with a sigh of sadness. It should be rather an expression of breathless expectation. We are uncertain of the next step, but we are certain of God. It goes on to say, We are not uncertain of God, but uncertain of what he is going to do next. If we are only certain in our beliefs, we get dignified and severe and have the ban of finality about our views. But when we are rightly related to God, life is full of spontaneous, joyful uncertainty and expectancy. Both Aisha and I have been given the gift of learning what it means to live in uncertainty. Did it feel like a gift at the time? At times, no. But those are the times that we were so focused on ourselves, so focused in feeling like we needed to know or understand or align ourselves with the way the world said that it worked. But in those moments that we abandon ourselves to God, that we said, I don't know what's ahead, but I know God is ahead. Those are the moments that that uncertainty became expectancy of this amazing, powerful, loving God. 
We saw it in this episode. We we were uncertain of what was ahead, but we were certain that God was ahead. And we were excited to be a part of whatever that would mean. And the same is true for your life today. I know that you want to know what's ahead. I know that you want to know the things that you feel like are so uncertain about God, about your life. But God is certain. God is God and God is good. And though the path ahead may be uncertain, you could be certain that God is ahead of you, that God loves you, and that God is at work. In the midst of uncertainty, you can be certain that he is going to give you a story to tell. So, as you go forward through the day, be sure to ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?